You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Kat Zakreski, a tech policy reporter here at The Post, and I'm joined today by John Tai, a former U.S. government whistleblower and founder of Whistleblower Aid. Mr. Tai is representing Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen, whose, whose congressional testimony and bombshell interview on 60 Minutes has brought global attention to Facebook and its app Instagram. John, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much, Kat. Great to be here. And I want to dive right in at the beginning. Can you tell us how you first connected with Francis Haugen? Yes, uh, a mutual friend colleague um, suggested that she give us a call, and she did, and uh, I spoke to her. Actually using the uh, Signal app, the Signal Encrypted Communications app. And when you first connected with her on Signal, did you realize how broad the implications would be of the information she had from Facebook? Within a few minutes, yes. Uh, it's obviously pretty substantial. Um, and there's been a lot of elements that haven't even been reported yet. So uh, there's more to come. And we've seen many other former Facebook employees come out and criticize the company over the years. We've seen concerns for years from lawmakers that Facebook is putting profits over the safety of its users. What, what's different now? What's changed after yesterday's testimony? Well, a few things. First of all, Francis has been so thoughtful uh, and systematic about this. Um, she had a job that allowed her to see some very important pieces of this story, including how the core algorithms work, MSI, Meaningful Social Interaction, how foreign intelligence agencies and others are weaponizing the platforms. Um, those were squarely within her job responsibilities. Some of the other issues that, that came up in the hearing yesterday, um, she learned about really through the documents that she collected from the internal system. Um, and so she clearly c collected a lot of those. Um, she's very smart, so she was able to um, essentially articulate what these documents mean and interpret them. Um, so the areas where she didn't personally work on, um, She's basing, you know, her views on her, her pretty systematic research, which, uh, you know, and, and the internal Facebook documents. And that stuff has been shared with the SEC, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, and with Congress. And those are lawful options to make disclosures um, to, to U.S. government investigators and leaders. Um, so that... Uh, her her perch essentially running uh, some important programs, uh, including civic integrity, um, and her ability to to lawfully access and share these documents with the SEC and Congress, are are, are will be what makes the difference uh, in this case. And I want to ask you about that point of lawfully access because yesterday we saw Facebook executive Monica Bicker in TV interviews refer to these documents as quote stolen. Are you concerned about legal retaliation from Facebook on your client? Well, she's a lawful whistleblower. She she shared these documents through the lawful process with the Security and Exchange Commission that's protected by federal law. It's also protected by 
the confidentiality agreement that's, that Francis signed with Facebook. Um, it explicitly calls out the SEC and Congress and state attorneys general. So, so she's done everything lawfully. Um, the comments you're talking about from yesterday, I think are sort of a desperate PR attempt by the company to, to try to throw some mud at my clients. Um, I don't think anyone's buying it. Um, so, you know, I, I would say we are concerned. I mean, they are a trillion dollar company. Uh, she has a GoFundMe, uh, right? So there's clearly a, a David Goliath um, power imbalance here. Um, and if that's the best they can do is sort of throw up some essentially frivolous allegations that something was stolen, um, you know, then they don't have very much to go on. Um, I, I will say, though, that even a frivolous lawsuit against my client um, could could bankrupt her. Uh, it wouldn't be hard for, for Facebook to make her life very, very difficult. Uh, so we're obviously hoping that Facebook chooses not to do that. And so just to be clear, do you disagree with that characterization that these documents were, quote, stolen? Oh, of course, of course, yes. We definitely disagree with that. This is an entirely lawful whistleblower disclosure. And you mentioned that these documents have been shared with the SEC. Um, and I wanted to ask you, Senator Richard Blumenthal, who chaired yesterday's hearing, he called for the SEC to look into these documents. And he also said the Federal Trade Commission, which has traditionally um, overseen the tech industry, should be looking into the revelations from Francis as well. Have you shared any of these documents with the Federal Trade Commission? So. My apologies there. Um, uh, the answer is we have been in touch with the FTC, but have not, I'm sorry if, are, are, it, it, I apologize for the disruptions here. I didn't realize these notifications would affect. Um, the FTC, all right. Uh, We've been in touch with the FTC. We have not shared any documents with the FTC. It's possible that others have because at this point they've been in the hands of the SEC and, and multiple offices uh, on Capitol Hill for a while. Um, so uh, any of them could have shared things with the FTC. And uh, specifically, there's a statute that permits the uh, SEC to share things with the, the, uh, the FTC. Um, but Francis has not been primarily concerned with antitrust um, matters. The FTC does antitrust, but it also does consumer protection things. Um, and I think that we would certainly be interested in empowering the FTC uh, on, on consumer protection matters. And how about abroad? We've seen regulators, for instance, in Europe, in some ways be far more aggressive than the U.S. in regulating tech companies. Has she shared these documents with any European regulators? Uh, Yes, um, we've been in touch with members of European Parliament, um, French and uh, French government officials, uh, a member of the British Parliament. She'll be testifying to the British Parliament later this month um, on a, a wider European trip. And so, yes, there's a lot of interest in Europe, and we're hopeful that um, Europe will be able to, um, to, to respond effectively. So given the fact that these documents are being dispersed around the world to policymakers, 
Do you ever foresee in the future making them all publicly available so everyday users, journalists, researchers could access them too? Well, uh, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I, I would say in the coming weeks we we might learn more about that. Got it. What would we? Uh, what would happen in the coming weeks that that might teach us more about that? Well, you know, I, I don't think that we're going to be sharing that. But again, um, enough people have these documents that it's possible that they could be sharing them. We're not in control of all these people, so uh, I, I just don't know what will happen exactly. And can you I mean, tell I us mean, anything? Legislators of the, you know legislators in the European Parliament, members of Congress. We, we, we're not, you know, in control of who they're sharing what with, so. That makes sense. And can you tell us anything more about what the response has been? We've obviously heard from lawmakers and seen how galvanized they are from these findings at yesterday's hearing. But what, what have you heard from the SEC in response to the eight complaints you've made there? Uh, <clears throat> First, let me say um, there have been eight complaints that have been reported, but I'm not saying whether there might be more or, or, or than that. Um, but the uh, sorry, um, we have been in touch with the SEC, um, with multiple staff there, uh, but I will sort of leave it to them to explain what, if anything, they're planning to do on this case. Got it. And given the multiple paths you're taking here, would you expect to see more decisive action in the EU than in the US? I don't know. Um, you know, the politics in Europe are different. And uh, there's some things that the United States is very good at. Uh, there's some things that um, European legislators might have an easier time doing. Um, there's so many issues at play, so many proposals on the table. So many different, um, you know, actions by Facebook that are being examined um, that it's sort of hard to predict where this might go. I think that's a really interesting point that you make about how there's so many different actions by Facebook that are being considered right now. Um, in your mind, after watching yesterday's hearing, what what should be the first step that U.S. lawmakers prioritize as they grapple with these revelations? Well, Francis supports regulation of Facebook and all social media, specifically on the point of engagement-based ranking of content, because these are pretty sophisticated algorithms. And a lot of effort has gone into delivering to Facebook users the content they're most likely to respond to. Um, and that sounds okay in practice, it sounds okay in theory, but in practice, what happens is that the things you're most likely to respond to, all of us, are angry content, um, potentially conspiracy-minded content, other things like that. And so there are some concerns about the core principles underlying Facebook's algorithms. Um, so, for instance, one of the proposals Francis has been discussing is uh, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act essentially insulates Facebook 
uh, from liability for content that, that its users put on the platform. Um, but if Facebook, and I, I, I'm not sure that anyone is prepared to sort of totally eliminate that um, because there's reasons why we have that. It allows the internet to exist in its current form and a whole lot of pre-debate. Pre but if Facebook is not, uh, not just allowing this plat uh, content on the platform, but amplifying it, so amplifying white nationalist messages, QAnon messages, stop the steal, you know, uh, election misinformation, COVID misinformation. If it's amplifying um, body dysmorphia groups and other things and encouraging its users to, to join conspiracy groups uh, and, for instance, pro-anorexia groups, why shouldn't Facebook be liable for those recommendations? Um, because it's pretty, it's pretty shocking. You can go on there right now and just, you know, join a few groups that support Donald Trump and the Republican Party, very mainstream groups. And within a week, if you just follow Facebook's own recommendations, you'll be down these conspiracy theory QAnon rabbit holes. And same, same with uh, anorexia content and same with COVID content. Um, Facebook is actively promoting content it knows and groups that it knows are harmful and false. And it's not willing to, to stop that um, because they're trying to maximize engagement. And on that point about Section 230, lawmakers from both parties have been interested in reforming that liability shield for several years, but they've traditionally had very different motives for that. Did Francis find that lawmakers from both parties seemed open to this proposal yesterday? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things we're encouraged by is the bipartisan nature of this. Um, Francis doesn't see this as one party or the other. This is something affecting the American people as a whole, and in fact, the, glo the global community as a whole. Uh, and so there, there's no reason this should become a partisan issue. Uh, obviously, both the, the chair and the ranking member were very vocal yesterday. Another idea there's a lot of bipartisan energy around on Capitol Hill is greater antitrust action against the tech companies, potentially breaking them up. Um, Frances talked a little bit yesterday about how she thought breaking up Facebook could actually exacerbate some of those problems. Can you tell a little bit, tell us a little bit more about that and how you think that should impact the regulatory debate on Capitol Hill? Frances has been clear that she doesn't see breaking up Facebook as the solution. She sees regulation as the solution. Um, I, you know, I would point you to her comments on, on her views, and obviously there's a range of views. I mean, there's plenty of people who do think these things should be broken up, um, but that's not my client's view. And I wanted to ask you as well about um, Facebook's response to Francis's allegations. Um, we didn't hear anything from Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg for weeks as the Wall Street Journal stories were coming out. And then last night for the first time, he shared an internal company email that he sent to employees um, where, where he pushed back and, and frankly struck a defiant tone about the revelations. Um, he said that it's just not true that Facebook places profit over the safety and well-being of its users. What's your response to his email? Well, I think it's good that Mark Zuckerberg is getting personally involved. 
I don't think it's a surprise he's waited this long because there aren't a lot of good things he can be saying right now. Um, uh, you know, his his best argument that he made in his statement is um, don't trust our uh, many thousands of pages of internal research. Uh, trust me when I tell you to ignore that research. Um, I don't think a lot of people are going to buy it, but it's probably the best option he has now um, for for trying to contain this thing. Lawmakers are saying that he needs to come to Capitol Hill to answer for these re revelations. Do you agree? Absolutely. Um, why shouldn't he be answering questions about what his own researchers have found about Facebook? One of the one of the interesting things about this whole well, these disclosures, it turns out that Facebook not only understands the problems on its platform better than anyone else, but in fact understands the solutions better than anyone else. Um, as you go through these documents, they propose many solutions to these problems that would reduce the flow of disinformation, conspiracy theories, hateful, violent, inciting content um, that didn't even require deleting content, a, a lot of them. I mean. Certainly some content needs to be deleted and there needs to be more investment there. But a lot of these algorithmic changes are very simple. It's things like requiring someone to click on a link before they share it because people tend to share misinformation links without even clicking on them. Um, limiting the number of reshares to two or three hops instead of permitting unlimited reshares because the deep reshares uh, uh, turn out to contain the vast majority of misinformation. Um, like simply just requiring someone to copy paste something uh, rather than click a, a one-click reshare. A change as simple as that can have really uh, intense, helpful uh, impacts on misinformation. And Zuckerberg personally de declined to implement those changes because it would have a fraction of 1% impact on virality and growth on the platform. So he's clearly putting um, you know, gr virality, growth, and profits ahead of stopping um, misinformation and conspiracy theories on the platform. Yeah, I thought that was one of the most powerful moments in yesterday's hearing when Francis talked about how the buck stops with Mark Zuckerberg. And because of the way the company's shares are structured, he has final say on so many of these decisions. Do you think he should be able to remain as CEO of Facebook? Uh, I, I don't have a view on that particular question. Um, it is remarkable that he, he retains 55% um, of the voting shares, even though he has far uh, fewer shares in the actual company, because they built a, a special ownership uh, share structure for Zuckerberg to, to retain um, his, his essentially complete control over the company. Um, I do think that that share structure should be reformed, move to a one share, one vote structure. And I think you would see some governance changes very fast at Facebook. Is that something the SEC could play a role in doing given the information you've shared with them? Well, this is pretty speculative. Um, typically, uh, the existing owners would be the ones to vote on changes to the share structure. 
Um, I suppose it's theoretically possible, and I'm, uh, let me flag this for saying I'm speculating at this point. It's theoretically possible that the SEC or another agency um, could, could suggest a reform of the, the share structure as part of a, an enforcement action, um, as a settlement to some kind of enforcement action. Um, but I would say you, you should talk to the SEC and other law enforcement about that kind of thing. I see. And one other point I wanted to touch on is Senator Blumenthal yesterday spoke about how Francis's testimony would likely inspire other whistleblowers to come forward. I know it's just been a couple days since the 60 Minutes interview, but have you heard from other tech workers at Whistleblower Aid? Uh, Yes, I, I can say that we've gotten a surge of inquiries uh, since Sunday night. Um, you know, I'm not going to comment on that, uh, but in uh, a lot of inquiries doesn't translate into a, a lot of cases or disclosures necessarily. Um, every case is, in, you know, individual, but for sure um, we've gotten lots of inquiries. And Talking about how you've had a lot of inquiries and just given your experience being a whistleblower yourself, what advice do you have for other employees who, who might feel like they're in a similar position to Francis and, and have concerns about their companies? That's a good question. So the first thing is do not talk to your boss or anyone at your company about your concerns because um, you can face retaliation even if you're trying to do the right thing, even if you're trying to help the company. Um, talk to a lawyer that you trust. You can read about us on our website, um, but there's, you know, there are some other good law firms out there. Um, so that's number one. Talk to a lawyer you trust, and those communications can and should be protected by attorney-client privilege. Uh, that's the number one. Number two, I would say secure the evidence lawfully. Um, if you work at a government agency with classified information, you can't just start taking classified information home with you. If you work at a company, um, you may have signed NDAs, confidentiality agreements. There may be special laws. Uh, you shouldn't, do not hack into any database. Do not try to crack any passwords. Do not try to gain unauthorized access to any computer system or file cabinet or anything like that. Lawfully secure the evidence. Uh, and share it with your attorney. Those are the really the first two steps, but beyond that, uh, every case is different. So, One of the most astonishing things, I, I think, in these revelations is, is how broad Francis's access was to so much research across Facebook. Do you think that this, re these revelations, this moment, will cause tech companies to become more locked down, more secretive about the research they're doing? Uh, probably yes, yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the remarkable things is that over 50,000 Facebook employees had access to all this research, and she was the first person to identify uh, that this, this was worthy of lawful disclosures. Um, I would definitely expect uh, limiting access to existing materials. I, I hope that Facebook is not engaging in mass deletions of evidence right now. Um, but, you know, certainly every reason to think that every tech company will be looking hard at um, who, who has access to what.
And I wanted to ask you too, I mean, just given that advice that you just gave, did Frances ever raise her concerns internally within Facebook before she took the step of contacting a lawyer and That's going public? That's a good question. Yeah, uh, on, on some issues, yes. Um, issues related to her particular work streams, the understaffing and under-resourcing of civic integrity and other things, for sure, she raised those internally through her chain of command. Um, obviously, the scope of the disclosures she brought forward lawfully to the SEC, uh, you know, go beyond that. Um, and so not every issue that's that's been reported or that will will be reported that the, the SEC is looking at did she raise internally, but but some of them for sure. And much of the attention on Capitol Hill has been on Instagram and the impact that the product has on kids and teens. But as you've mentioned several times, her revelations are so wide ranging and touch on so many aspects of Facebook's business. Um, what revelation do you think hasn't gotten enough, enough attention yet that the public should be looking at more carefully? The Capitol insurrection on January 6th deserves more attention. Um, so things that we know, we know that seven months before the, the November election, um, Facebook staff made recommendations to senior executives, including Zuckerberg himself, with, with content neutral uh, proposals for reducing the flow of conspiracy theories and misinformation. Um, Zuckerberg personally declined to implement those because uh, they might have an impact on um, MSI, meaningful social engagement, even, even an impact under 1%, um, you know, he said was, was too much. Um, so, so some obvious tools for reducing the flow of misinformation, conspiracy theories were vetoed by the senior leadership. Um, obviously, in the wake of the election for a couple of months, there was intense stop the steal efforts which was the bogus effort to overturn the, the results of the election based on misinformation about um, supposed you know, ballot uh, fraud and other things, um, all of which cum culminated in the January 6th insurrection. Um, but we know that within days of the election itself, Facebook had disbanded the civic integrity team, um, which just that fact right there, uh, clearly there were problems with civic integrity integrity. Um, there was a massive effort underway to delegitimize the election, uh, but instead of maintaining the, the few restraints they had in place on that stuff, they disbanded the team and that stuff was allowed to fester. Uh, and there are, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of evidence, even real time on the day, January 6th, showing that Facebook knew exactly what was happening. Um, and and wasn't wasn't acting and and there were people inside the company being like why are we allowing this to happen in real time, um, so that's clearly one but 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 it goes so so broad I mean um, ethnic violence in countries like Ethiopia and Bangladesh and Myanmar um, uh, misrepresentations to advertisers and investors about how many people were seeing the ads that they're you know the advertisers are paying for. Um, so many issues that haven't even been covered yet. And I wanted to ask you about the January 6th revelations. Um, we saw Representative Adam Schiff 
who is a member of the select committee in Congress investigating the events of that day, say that his committee will need to hear from Francis about her findings about Facebook's role. Does she plan to testify in front of that committee? We certainly want to provide every committee of jurisdiction on Congress with all the information they need to do their jobs. Um, the details of that remain to be worked out. Um, uh, but but uh, I've already been in touch with one member of the January 6th committee personally, um, and uh, you know we expect that to proceed. Unfortunately, we're running out of time and we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us, John. I'm Kat Zakreski. The last, the, last, the, last, the last thing I'd like to say is she is relying on a GoFundMe to help with her legal defense. Um, and we encourage uh, viewers out there to please go. And if, if you're able, uh, contribute something um, to help us help Francis. Thank you so much for joining us, John. I'm Kat Thank Zakreski, and this has been Washington Post Live. As always, go to Washington, head to WashingtonPostLive.com to register and find out more about all of our upcoming events. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.